So we're back again with Dr. Stab. And if you didn't listen to the last episode, I definitely would recommend that you go back, have a listen to that, take all of that in before you come back and listen to this special bonus episode where we've got lots of questions to ask him about Brexit, haven't we, Ian? We certainly have. And I'm going to start right now because this is a, little, this is a shorter uh, podcast today. Dr. Sav, I feel like I'm on the, the sofa at GMTV. Dr. Sav, what is the real impact of Brexit? So if, I know you like data. I know you like facts. You just talk about reality. What's what's really going on? Nothing. Nothing. You can, well, first of all, the, as, a, as a an empiricist, as a data uh, junkie, we've got to realise that Brexit in its, in its its real form happened at the same time as COVID. Yeah. And then not long after we had Ukraine. So if you're told that Brexit caused this amount of inflation or Brexit caused that amount of disruption to the flow of goods and people, you say, we can't be sure. We can't extract. In, in econometrics, it's known as observational equivalence. The, what Brexit did and what COVID did were observationally equivalent. What Ukraine did and what Brexit did to inflation are observationally equivalent. So to extract one from the other, anyone who claims they can is lying. So was Brexit, was the timing of Brexit then fortuitous by by the events of other things? No, because look, look, because you there's a sort of implicit assumption that it was a bad thing that yeah. had good time. Uh, for full disclosure, in 2016, I turned 50, and I had the intention of having the year largely off. Uh, but then this referendum was happening, so I was told, look, you've got to basically have a view. You've got to use. Uh, what we use in finance is we look at net present discounted values. So what is the net present discounted value of staying against the net present discounted value of leaving? And I did my best uh, to look at those two uh, options. And it, the conclusion was the UK was better off leaving the European Union. Now, if you can throw, throw any reason why we should have stayed and i'll give you a guarantee i'll i'll actually un, undermine it just wait give me give me give me one of the reasons that was used to stay open trade okay let's hold that thought open trade there are 500 million consumers about 450 million in the european union if you also extend to the the um EFTA countries the other countries in europe yep yeah? now the European Union is like a, a, a castle, a citadel. If you're inside it, fantastic. But it has ramparts keeping other countries out. So of the 8 billion people on this planet, 7.5 billion were beyond the ramparts. And those ramparts were there to protect self-interest within the European Union. Right. So removing yourself from the castle meant you were now in an environment where you could trade with the other seven and a half billion fast-growing economies. To repeat, fast-growing economies. We, we know that the European did not have a free trade deal with Australia, with India, the US, with China. The EU had free trade deals which were as rare as hen's teeth. Hmm. And to repeat, the market in the European Union was tepid. It wasn't growing. We, we treat the European Union as some sort of this wonderful sort of fast-growing block, isn't it? Growth is in low single digits 
Mm. Whereas around the world, particularly Asia, growth is in uh, in the region of seven or eight percent. And we were denied access to free trade agreements. And the good news is that the pound is a wonderful uh, calibration mechanism. Any tariffs that were going to be imposed by the UK were more than compensated for by the pound's decline in 2016. So the pound went down by more than any possible tariffs. And here's another observation. The UK, overlooked, the UK has a trade deficit with the European Union. If you deny the UK trade deals with Europe, who loses out? It's yeah, Spain, yeah. Portugal, and Greece, and Ireland. The UK is a huge uh, exporter of people as tourists. Mm -hmm. So Malta, Greece, Cyprus, Bulgaria, France, Italy, those, those that have between 10 and a third of, between 10 and 30% of their tourism is UK based. So if you yeah. disrupt travel from the UK, um, you actually undermine your own economy. There was never a, a, a rational uh, reason why there should be disruption to trade or to tourism because mm. it's self-defeating. Mm. So when I was doing the, the modeling, it was, it would, you'd see sense. For goodness sake, the, the, the UK is accounts for about 10% of exports of Rioja and champagne. We mm. consume it in the UK, all right? You could go on and say, Country after country in the, it had a vested interest of doing deals with the UK. And then COVID happened. Yeah, interesting. So what about, you, you touched on the pound. So when we go on holiday, we're all feeling a little bit worse off because the exchange rate is still spectacularly poor. What do you what do you expect to happen with that? Well, it's it, first of all, it's been seven years where it's been. Yes. Yeah. And if you ask me where the pound should be, the answer is easy. It's not, it shouldn't be down here. But again, who who loses out? It's the it's the restaurants and the bars and the hotels and the car rental firms in Europe that have to cut prices to keep us going there. Let's be honest. You may not have noticed this, but Turkey and Egypt have had huge currency crises. So your average Brit is being enticed to Anatolia and to into Egypt. So country after country around the world has got a worse currency than the pound. Right. So if you're if you're a Spanish hotelier or a Cypriot restaurateur, you've got to basically price because the Brits and the Germans and the Swedes are inclined to go to Swiss, to Turkey or to Egypt. Which means that if you're a landlord to a hotel on the Mediterranean coastline, hmm. or you own you've got real estate that's linked to bars, restaurants, car hire firms, it's not good. You're getting you're, get, you're getting budget budget tourism. It's not about the number of tourists there, it's what they're spending. And it's not been easy uh, for Southern Europe, which is why there's a big problem developing, a, a sort of, I call it Club Med Europe, hmm. from the Portuguese coastline all the way across Spain, Southern France, Italy, Greece, Croatia, Bulgaria, Cyprus, Malta. They're struggling. Yeah. Whereas in the UK, you've got staycationing. You, you, go, you go to Tenby or to Cornwall or to East Anglia. Uh, well, for the first time, you've now got good hotels, mm. good restaurants. They're booming. Yeah, interesting. Dr. South, one of the things, so listening to you, I increasingly I just feel that the um, media is manipulating the situation for whatever purpose. What, what 
Is there any advice to listeners that if they wish to self-educate or self-form opinions based upon facts, is there a place that they could go to to get this sort of information in relative layman's terms that would help help them? I wish I could say there was. Uh, the, the problem is that the, the, the issue is this. Data is deceptive. Yeah. And we've, we've agreed that GDP and CPI are mismeasuring the economy. Yeah. We've agreed that the, the Bank of England and the IMF um, are, are poor forecasters, very poor forecasters. So uh, we're into May now. So a full year since the Bank of England began to predict a one and a half year recession. Yeah. So at some point in the coming weeks, coming weeks, the bank will, will come out with a revision, not correction, a revision. Yeah. Uh, and they'll say uh, the recession was avoided. And uh, we can't lose the governor. Uh, I mean, if he had, if he had any um, uh, honour, he'd resign hmm. from that. And he won't. He's, he's too self-centred. Here's the issue. The economy is robust. It would take something left field to happen. So it, it, the known unknowns. Yeah. It, suppose, suppose that the, the war in Ukraine were to escalate. Yeah. And God forbid that it, it would enter into, say, Poland or Bulgaria, neighboring countries. Let's be honest. Remember those half a million Europeans who left when COVID happened? Yeah. They'd get over here double fast. Yeah. And Again, I've got, to, I've got to be objective. Uh, I've got to, I, I, was, I said that COVID was a, a medical travesty, but monetarily it was fantastic for mm. households. This idea that we're, this food, price, this food crisis, this, this, this austerity thing, it's, it's literally, it's not founded on fact. Okay, food, if you open a, look, food banks, you open a food bank, there'll be a queue. Mm. So do you, A, go and buy the stuff or get it for nothing? In the 50s, we made a film called um, Heavens Above with Peter Sellers. Fantastic. Eric Sykes. Where uh, Peter Sellers was a, 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 a vicar who had the great idea to give away things. He destroyed the local economy because no one was going to, to buy stuff from the grocer and the baker and the candlestick maker. They were getting it for nothing. Mm. Do, the one thing that has really blown my mind, and it does make total sense, is the whole... GDP metrics. And my, my question that I had from last um, episode that I'd like to ask now, if I may, is will they ever change the metrics and the way that they measure GDP? Because you say that things like people aren't using petrol cars, they're using electric cars, and people aren't shopping in supermarkets, they're getting takeout and things like that. Will there ever be a point where we change those measurables? So it's a good question. The um, the ex chief economist at the Bank of England, the ex deputy governor Charlie Bean, Professor Charlie Bean, uh, wrote an extensive re review saying we need to basically have a, re a root and branch review of GDP. The simple truth is that we need to, to tear it up. So take those chi take Chinese students or foreign students. Take us. According to GDP, we have no productivity. We, we don't make widgets. In the in the in, in the days of mercantilism, you could you can measure how many um, bales of hay were coming off and on ships, and how many widgets were manufactured in a factory in Nottinghamshire. What we do is GDP light. We're, we're unproductive. If you're an accountant, an architect, a lawyer, if you're a banker, 
an estate, an, an agent in property, you don't make things tangibly. Yes. That's crazy, isn't it? And if you're, if you're, a, Chinese, if you're a Chinese student coming here, so it's, sometimes you've got to get around the, the, uh, the logic. If I go as a tourist to Spain, I actually count as a import to the UK. I'm taking my money overseas. The same way if I was buying Spanish goods. So right. I'm a negative. When a Chinese family comes here, when a Chinese kid comes here to study, or mum and dad come here as a tourist to see their kids, it should appear as an, a positive on the external account. Yeah. That's, that's an export. It doesn't appear. No one's got a little clipboard. So it's, it's a non nonsense. So uh, how do you correct it? Look, to, to repeat, Charlie Bean had a, a, wrote a report saying we've got to change this. Um, in the meantime, so what that report said essentially was ignore the bloody thing. Well, wow. well, thank you so much for your time yet again. That's been another really kind of insightful episode. But also at the same time, I just loved your first expression of this episode where Ian said, what's the truth about Brexit? And you just said, there is none. Or you said, there's nothing. So I just loved that honesty. And like you say, data talks. So I'll be very quick. Anyone listening to this who has another reason why we should have stayed in the European Union, send me an email or a message. See if I can't bounce it back. Well, um, I will pop a um, I will pop a Q and A um, section in this episode on Spotify. As Savas says, if you've got another reason and you want to challenge Savas, let's, let's have a challenge Savas episode. And hopefully, if we get a few in, we'll get you back to talk about some of them. Yeah, we can, just, we can read we can read them out and go go through the answers, can't we? That, that sounds look, like look, fun you, you can you can probably see I've taken a few on the nose, but I've never been knocked out. <laughs> Well, that sounds like an invitation for someone to try and challenge you the best they can. Well, thank you ever so much again. Um, we really appreciate it. And uh, yeah, take care and we'll speak to you soon. Thank you, Dr. Thanks.